Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we are sitting down for a one-on-one conversation with one of the most dedicated leaders of our generation. Today's guest is the founder of Pulse Movement, Reset Movement, Together Generation, and most recently, the leader of Year of the Bible Campaign. Today, we have the extreme, amazing opportunity to sit down with Mr. Nick Hall. Thanks for coming on, Nick. It's such a pleasure to have you. How has quarantine been for you and your family? Ha, Trevor, great to be here. It's been a wild season, man. I'm not a fan of 2020, but I also know that God's in the midst of it. So we're making making the best we can. Yeah, so you live in Minneapolis, which most recently has made headlines for not very positive things. How has it been with your leadership position with Pulse and being dead in the center of a... Uh, a national controversy. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been wild. Uh, you know, when you watch the news and you see things that are like around the corner from where you get coffee, it, it definitely hits home in a different way. So yeah, George Floyd obviously murdered here in the city of Minneapolis. And, uh, we had to board up our offices for, uh, probably, I don't know, a month. Um, people were arrested right outside of our building. And obviously there was a lot of negative things going on in terms of the rioting and looting. Uh, and yet there was also a lot of really positive things. I mean, our team, I think really, uh, jumped in with both feet, uh, mobilizing for volunteers, uh, food distribution, as well as being a part of some of the protests. Um, it's an important time, but yeah, it's definitely, it's been crazy having it happen here. And even today, you've been doing lives talking about the racial state of our country and just using your voice to not necessarily speak for yourself. You're speaking for a whole generation of people. I know that had to be kind of nerve wracking for you to walk into it as a Caucasian man. Um, what really pressed on your heart that it was like, all right, God, I know you want you, you want me to speak on this. And even to walk through the controversy hand in hand, um, I know you've been doing a lot of work with Cross and the Man of Man Up movement um, in Minneapolis. It I saw some of the comments you were getting, and you handled them with such grace. But you knew going into it that you were going to have some negative feedback, and it's almost like I could see that you didn't care because you knew that you were doing what God wanted you to do, but we all have this little place in us that's like almost a people pleaser. What was that crucial state that you were like, all right, God, I know you want me to do this. So I'm going to walk straight into it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wish there was as much clarity as, as some of that. I mean, I think, I think all of us at the end of the day, we're, we're trying our best to respond in a way that's loving and full of grace. I, I think for me, it's, it, it just has to do with, um, yeah, being a friend and, and caring and, you know, being a person of consistency, right? Like when we do our gatherings and activities, you know, we, we try super hard. Like I can't overstate like how hard we try for it not to just be a white, you know, evangelical thing. Like we just, man, it's like, who's going to be on the stage matters and who has the microphone matters and, you know, who works at Pulse matters. Like it is a real priority. Cause I think like, I think we should work uh, while we're on earth to, uh, to show people what heaven's going to look like. 
And heaven's not going to be a bunch of people that look like, you know, me and whoever's listening or watching this. It's not going to be a bunch of people that look like you, right? No matter what your skin color is, it's going to be every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so, but in the midst of like doing that, if that's a value for us, if that diversity and that kingdom emphasis, well, then when there's like pain, right? When there's a, a murder that happens and it becomes a trigger point for I mean, certainly an entire generation, but especially for those that are black that that have had that experience of being profiled or, um, you know, hurt or abused or, you know, whatever. I, I just think it's like for us to be silent and to not join with them and say, this is wrong. We're listening. If I haven't been listening, man, I need to apologize. I need to own my part. I need to recognize that because of where I grew up, because of the type of, you know, work my parents had, or, you know, this color of my skin that I've been given a head start, um, which some would define as privilege. And, but the the problem is that all of these terms, uh, it's no longer just words, like all of this has been politicized. So when people hear any of these things, it's like, it's like alarm bells go off for people. And I think that is incredibly hard to navigate, because I'm saying something as a human being and just saying, man, if somebody's hurting, I hurt. And if something's wrong, it's wrong. But because of the way that news spins things and politics spin things, like by me saying this or not saying that or doing this or not doing that, oh, you're one of those people. Now I'm going to call you that. And oh, Nick, you're becoming liberal. Or oh, Nick, you're walking away from the gospel. You just need to preach the gospel. And and so, yeah, I mean, that is incredibly hard. I do struggle, like a lot of leaders, with caring what people think of me, you know, and I struggle when people get hurt or upset. Um, and in some ways, like you have to let go of that. And, and then in other ways, like, you know, like we, we are told, like, as far as it depends on you, uh, you know, keep peace with everybody, you know, that's in the Bible, right? So like, do your best. But I mean, some people just aren't going to be pleased no matter what we do. Sure. And walking through this season and even being in a lockdown, obviously with a national pandemic, how has your mental health been through this state with being a leader? Yeah, it's been tough, man. Uh, you know, I know you were praying and lots of people were praying for me and my family, uh, you know, kind of right before lockdown and pandemic hit. My, You know, my sister had had this six, seven month battle with cancer. We're literally like a year ago from now. Uh, we were just at the doctor where she's getting like, she has a stomach ache, like something's wrong yeah. with her stomach. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we find out she has this terminal cancer. And then, you know, six months later, she's dead. And so, I mean, that has been like just tremendously painful. I mean, I was even crying last night. I found something even today. And and so it's just like navigating that storm of emotions coupled with, racial crisis coupled with pandemic lockdown coupled with every plan we make seems to get upended. You know, it's like, this is incredibly hard time. And, and so, you know, depression, anxiety, frustration, anger, the whole range of emotions. And I, I mean, I think the most helpful thing for me is just to honor and validate those emotions rather than, you know, being, oh, come on, why are you down? It's like, well, yeah, why am I not down? This is, Mm. this is lunacy. Like, why would I, why would I not be sad? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I just think like if you can give yourself some credit and give yourself some slack, you know, and then also like check in with others and also like be real and be vulnerable and there's healing that happens in that. And so that's been tremendously important for me and tremendously valuable during this time is, and I may feel alone, but man, it's a choice to be alone. Sure. And, and I want to actually take time to connect with people to share when I'm hurting, you know, to share about like despair or heartache or tears, you know? And um, yeah. And I think this, this season has been good. I think for just personal, that's probably one of the biggest problems with the mental health is it's like, I am, I am stuck with me. You know, that's, that's maybe why this is a crisis is it's like, yeah, like I don't have all of the distractions I normally get to have. Like, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that we all bury behind a lot of things that gets exposed in moments like this. Yeah. And one of the things that you haven't been holding back on is on your social media, even talking about your sister's death. I remember when I got the news um, last year, I was in, or it was this year, when I was traveling promoting the Jeremy Camp film, I still believe. And I just so happened to be wearing my Together Generation shirt. And for some reason, I felt a sense of like, I need to check in on Nick. I want him to know we're praying for him. But then I look down, I'm wearing the Together Generation shirt. And it's almost like I had anxiety that day. And it turns out that. I feel like that anxiety was me being able to intercess for you and your family. And we still press on. We did the event that night. Um, and I think two days later we were doing an event and a kid was wearing the same shirt. So it's like you have year of the Bible going on. You had together 2020 planned all of the stuff that you have going. Jenny's there. She's here. She loves you. She's looking down right now and she's just like, I think she's getting a firsthand view on how busy you actually are, because I think that's something that your family can see you doing, but not necessarily know as much to appreciate at times. Just like, where's dad at? Why isn't he here playing with me? And I know it has to be hard for you as a father to step away and travel and you do events in the Ukraine, Russia, Mexico, Juarez, to be exact, um, all over the United States. I heard of you through a Winter Jam event. I went to see Skillet. And uh, for anybody listening, kind of some backstory on where Nick and I met i was just a young kid i think i was 13 or 14 years old and i heard nick uh present the reset message at a winter jam event and i was like goodness gracious like dude's wearing jordans and skinny jeans and he played justin bieber coming in and you know how all the young guys were like i don't like that baby song but we were all secretly listening to it but we didn't want to seem weak but you had it full blast your wife was pregnant with Truett. i remember you sharing about that and then just presenting the gospel. And I was like, that's so cool. I've never heard it presented like that. And then um, I believe it was the year after I volunteered at the reset table at Winter Jam. And it was UJ, Chris, Mike, uh, Linnea, and the whole team was there. And somehow or another, God got me in a backstage pass. And um, I ended up meeting you guys there. And I was your unofficial, non-documented intern for the Outcry Tour in 2015, which is still a God thing. But one of the key things of the many that Pulse and you have blessed in my life is before um, even the outcry event and everything, 
your team flew me to Minneapolis to share scripture with Egypt and Yasser at um, Unite at the Mariucci Arena. And if it weren't for that, God used that defining moment in my life to see that, you know, there's a certain kind of peace that comes with this. Um, the gospel isn't necessarily sugarcoating anything when it says, you know, you go go create disciples for Jesus and there's no limit to what you can do when you do it with God. But if you're not doing it with him, which I saw when I had my panic attack episode back in um, 2016, which you were the first leader I opened up to about that at uh, Winter Jam in 2018. And it was a whole journey for me. It was a mental health journey. Y'all, y'all saw me firsthand break down at together 2016. I was having panic attacks the whole time. I didn't mm. want to be there, but I know God told me to be there. So I went and I was struggling, man. I, that's all I remember about together 2016 is extreme heat, people dropping like flies. But I remember seeing that crowd and it was like a piece of heaven. Like this is what heaven's going to look like. Like endless seas of people just worshiping. And, but through, if you wouldn't have written a paper in college, Pulse, that's where it all started for you. And with all that being said, I want, I would love for you to share your story on where it all started in college, just to kind of encourage people that maybe in middle school, high school, or college that maybe they wrote a paper similar to Pulse and they have that pull, but they don't know how to get there and to mobilize people in the way Mm -hmm. that God's blessed you to be able to do. So can mm-hmm. we start with your story uh, with the college paper that you wrote? Yeah, man. Love it. And uh, yeah, just proud of you, Trevor. And uh, yeah, really believe in you. Excited to see God continue to use your life. But yeah, I, I was a college student and, you know, I think a lot of us when we're in school, right, you're, you're trying to balance many things. Um, for me, I would say the six months nine months, like leading up to that journey of when I wrote that paper was like a turning point. I would even say the year or two, even I'm just trying to think. So, so my freshman year of college, God really got a hold of my life. Um, I was already a believer. I already loved talking about Jesus, but my, my attention was divided. You know, I was, I was trying to be cool and be a good athlete and, you know, whatever hats that we wear. And then all of a sudden, like God kind of had this moment for me of surrender to just his call for my life and his purpose for my life, which, which typically, uh, I mean, it, it certainly can happen differently, but you know, when I read the Bible and I know in my own life, like typically when God like reveals his purpose, like it, 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 it almost always involves like a turning point and it involves like letting go of something to hold on to what he has. Right. And so for me, that was a lot of the things I was doing with my time and specifically sports and whatever, like I needed to let that go in order to kind of fully grab a hold of what God had. And so, you know, fast forward, then I'm at this school and now I, I have this newfound purpose, this newfound identity. Um, I know that I'm on earth to talk about Jesus. Like that was it. And, and there was even the statement of my life exists to put Christ at the pulse of a generation. So when God put his call on my life, like that statement was kind of synonymous with that call. And it was in my notebooks and, and I didn't really even know how to describe it, but I just knew like, it's Jesus at the pulse. How do we do this? You know, in the midst of that, then there's suicide, substance abuse, self-harm, you know, bullying happen on our campus. Um, Tons of my Christian friends are leaving the faith. 
um, you know, getting stuck in, you know, all kinds of situations. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. We we're praying. And then really out of that prayer, like felt emboldened to take this concept and write a paper in my English class at this secular university. And the paper was just titled Pulse. And it was literally outlining a plan to bring the gospel to our campus and put on positive events and encourage people. And I mean, essentially it was just saying, man, all people know Christians for is what they're against. Um, people are hurting on our campus. What would it look like if we came together around the hope of Jesus and then trying to connect those that are hurting uh, to groups that care about them, you know, and uh, wrote the paper, took off, kind of went viral on our campus and, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how it all launched. We ended up seeing hundreds of students uniting around this vision, students creating and making videos and graphics, and then starting to plan events. And we ended up seeing, you know, 8,000 students come out on our university. And yeah, and then students all over America, you know, and overseas, you know, started asking us to come and help them. And yeah, I mean, that was like 14 years ago. So now it's, you know, pulses you know, still going. And, you know, one thing leads to the next and I'm on a winter jam and I meet Trevor Tyson and one thing leads to the next. And I get asked to, you know, do this with the Billy Graham team. And then, you know, God plants the next. And, and I just think that's the thing about vision and like you call it mobilizing people is a lot of times people like want to start with the big thing, but God always starts with the small thing that's right in front of you. And faith, I like to describe it as a muscle, like faith is a muscle. And it's like, you don't, you know, nobody starts by running a marathon. Like you start by running around the block. Like I think there's a movie on Netflix. I think it's like Brittany runs a marathon or something. I don't know if you've seen it. I have super, not. It's super good. Very interesting. It's, good. it's really good. It's very entertaining <laughs> and very good. And I think it's free on Netflix or Amazon prime. And I think it is called Brittany runs a marathon, but it's like, you know, you just start like, I'm just going to do something. And I just think faith is a lot like that. It's like, God calls you to do something. Don't compare it with what he's calling others to do. You're going to be terrified by doing anything because you haven't. And yet it's like that step for you is like a marathon for somebody else. And it's like, you're faithful with that. And it's not, you know, like none of the horrible things you thought might happen happened Mm -hmm. and you're still alive. And then God tells you to do something else. And you're like, okay, yeah, but man, this is so much bigger. And then you do it. And then, and then it's like, okay. And then it's like one thing leads to the next thing leads to the next thing. And uh, it's just simple, simple steps of obedience. And God doesn't need you to know all the details. He just needs you to be willing to trust him and say yes. And going off of what you just said, you don't have to know all the details. I was listening to your audible version of your book, which is reset. You can get it everywhere. Books are sold and highly recommend it. Um, I was listening to it again yesterday and one of the things that surprised me to hear again, um, well, it wasn't surprising. It's just always funny for me to hear is that people would ask about Bible studies on their campus and they're like, well, I'm only free tomorrow. And you're like, oh, we just started a new one tomorrow. And then you would find somebody to lead the Bible study. <laughs> I hear that. And I'm like, that's mobilization at its finest. You don't necessarily find people that are going to make their schedule work or find resources to work with somebody else. And uh, with that being said, you went on. And you had the largest student-led prayer gathering in American history. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And it started with a paper. And fast forward, you said 14 years. Um, 
you had the event in 2016 on National Mall together. You had together 2018 in Texas at the Texas Motor Speedway. You had together 2020 planned for this year, which was supposed to be in another amazing event on the National Mall that we would probably be able to make it through the whole event. Um, it's like together always has some kind of interesting piece of whether it's weather or pandemics or something that's wrapped around it. Um, for 2016, it was heat, uh, Texas, it was rain. And then this year we have a pandemic, but it's not going to stand in the way. It's going to happen eventually. But with all of that, you're working on a campaign called year of the Bible right now. And I heard about it probably, I would say a little bit before the launch and your social media is just beautiful for that. You can go follow it at year of the Bible and it's just people with their Bibles. That's it. You've got Matt Chandler on there. You've got Ravi Zacharias yourself. Um, there's a picture of me on there and there's so many people just standing there with their Bibles. Like I'm going to make this year, 2020, the year of the Bible. And nobody knew that a pandemic was coming when that launched. Nobody knew that it was coming. And the fact that you started 2020 as the year of the Bible Oh, look at that. Everybody's got time on their hands. Everybody's locked in their houses for a while. So what was the what was the defining moment for Year of the Bible? Why did you choose 2020 for that? What did God press on your heart? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I just describe these things as I, um, one of the goals of my life, I would say, if I was to say, like, if there's like the biggest thing that I, I've prayed is just consistently asking God, like, God, if you want me to do something, um, I want to do it, you know, like just, just in like strip everything else back. And it's just like, God, if there's something you want done, I I don't want to be too busy that I don't hear it. I don't want to be too, you know, preoccupied or think it's too hard or, well, that's too much money or, you know, too big or too small. Right. Like I just like at the end of the day, like from the time I was even a kid, I just remember these passages like gripping my heart where it just says like the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, you know, to see if there's any who fear any who understand or, or these like passages where it's like, I looked for a man among them who would stand in the gap and I found no one. Mm. And, and I just was like, man, God, I just, I don't want to just be like, I think a lot of Christians put on a good show, right? Like they know the right degree of like putting my hand up. Like this is the good Christian. You don't want to be too crazy. Cause then you're like weird. Don't be the bobber. That's really goofy. Nobody wants to be the person with the hand in the pockets and yeah, you know, whatever. But it's just like, we put on a good outward show and yet it's like, God looks at the heart. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like, God, would you show? And then, and then when God does give vision, I feel like there's some biblical ways of even testing it, right? Like, is this consistent with scripture? Do I have peace from the Holy spirit? And then is there confirmation from other godly influences in my life? And so like to always check these gauges in my life. And so all that to say, year of the Bible, uh, you know, wasn't really a plan it wasn't something that like we thought or, or whatever. I, I think I go back to, and I mentioned this on the, on the website, if you go to year but I was in a taxi cab with Francis Chan. Um, That's always a good maybe, way to start a story. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had just met him. I had just met him and I had actually flown to New York 
uh, to try to get time with him just because he's somebody that has really, the way he follows Jesus has always really had a like profound impact on my life. And so I had a friend who was with him and I just was like, Hey, can I come and just be there? And he was like, yeah, totally. Like you can come in the taxi ride between this place and this place, you know? And so then like, thank goodness for traffic ended up having a long ride, you know, with, uh, with Francis Chan. And we just start talking about the Bible and his eyes are on fire. And he's talking about this concept of like the Bible project is just starting and they're trying to get all these people to do this kind of, I don't even, I don't know if he called it Bible a year or there was some idea that they had, but they were getting a couple churches. He was doing it in San Francisco. The Bible project guys were trying to do it in Portland. And I think that was like a seed being planted for me. And then I even started to wrestle with as 2020 was approaching, like there was a lot of big things being planned just simply because it was 2020, you know, 2020 vision or, you know, C 2020. I mean, all these like, it's almost cheesy, but like Christians love to have like the very obvious thing be like, you, man, you better have something big for 2020. You know, like if your church is just like, ah, you know, we're not doing anything. You're like, what? This is a lame church. No, like 2020 <laughs> is like the year we see clearly and it and has we, been <laughs> yes yes totally that was sarcasm yes yes and so anyway in the midst of that i just was continuing to hear this thing like i just think it should be year of the bible like man is there anything more important if, if we want vision is there anything more important if we launch to an you know as we launch to this new decade like then coming back to scripture and you know the statistics are so clear like like number one when people are in the word of God, there's even like a, there was a big study done a while ago of like, and it had to do with the number four. Like when a person is in the Bible four times a week or more, it just starts to have like a quantifiable difference in every area of their life. Like their joy, their relationships, their finances, like there's a spillover effect when it hits four less than that. It's like, you know, it doesn't change as much and it kind of comes and goes. And then the statistics on like the amount, that, that people are in the Bible. And this is mostly related to the church, right? Sure. Like, yes, people outside the church don't know the Bible, but the statistics show that actually people inside the church barely know the Bible. Mm. And then even when you look at a church service, like how little Bible is on display, like the typical sermon is like one or two verses, uh, which typically takes 30 seconds to read if it's read at all. And then it's 30 minutes of ideas that don't even necessarily have to do with the one or two verses that were read. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, if you squint, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess. Sure. So it's like, what do you remember from church? It was like, oh, that story was so funny. You know, what do you remember from church? Oh, that worship was so insane. You know, what do you remember from church? But it's like, man, the part that God promises won't return void. I just think like we've put God on mute. And so... Oh. Yeah, we were launching and we're just like, man, 2020 needs to be the year of the Bible. Like we need to hear God's voice. And, you know, and so, yeah, that was kind of how it started and just started trying to tell everybody, trying to get different groups on board. And yeah, it kind of, you know, it spread, you know, around the world. I mean, we have 190 countries that are connected to it now and uh, just all kinds of expressions that have been, you know, amazing. And uh, how can people jump on board with Year of the Bible? Yeah, yearofthebible.com. There's kind of some simple steps, Um, you know, really just encourage people to declare 
a year of the Bible. And uh, as you said that, you know, the Instagram is one way, but people are using the hashtag year of the Bible, um, posting a Bible selfie. Uh, number two is to engage in the Bible. So year of the Bible is less about 2020 and more about, we would describe it as the year in a person's life when the Bible becomes foundational to every part of life. So some people sure. may describe like, you know, 1985 was my year of the Bible or 2012 was my year of the Bible. But it's like, I just would say, I think it's good. You know, just like when people remember when they surrendered to Jesus or, you know, it's like a turning point in life. And I just think it's like, man, is, has there been a moment or a season in time when you like were focused on, I'm going to fall in love with the word of God. Because I think like we've done a really good job in our day of teaching people how to love good speakers and teaching people how to love good worship music. But like we have done a horrible job at teaching people how to love the Bible. And so it's like, man, I'm going to cultivate this discipline of like, I want to love God's voice, which is what the Bible is. It's like, I want to hear his voice, not like the part of his voice that I have to question, which is like, I, I heard a voice. Is that God? Or is that something I ate? Or is it some quirky, weird preacher? But it's like, no, 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 like the part of God's voice that is like, man, it doesn't return void. It doesn't change Genesis to Revelations, you know, and we're just like, God, speak here and we're listening. If uh, somebody's listening to this and they're wondering how they can start building a healthy habit of daily scriptural reading or trying to build themselves up for four or five, six sessions of just purely diving into the Bible into their life, what would Nick Hall have to say about that? Yeah, I think version has some awesome plans and we try to make those available in the on yearthebible.com. And again, the goal of yearthebible.com is like, it's just, there's some easy on-ramps there, right? So I would just say like, number one, don't put crazy pressure on yourself, right? Like don't set this up. This isn't a pass-fail thing. You can't get an F, you know? Um, just the fact that you desire to get in the word is a big deal. So that's awesome. Okay. Mm. Um, number two, like don't set out to like read the whole Bible, like in a day or even like maybe not even in a year, but it's just like, I just want to understand the Bible. Like, so just have your intentions clear. Okay. And then number three, I would just find like a, a plan that works for you. Right. But mm. the plans that we have been highlighting, um, you know, there's a couple on year of the Bible.com. Um, but there's, there's one that's just, it's like you go through, um, like 10 days in, in a month and it takes you through like a couple books, a couple themes of the Bible. And so like, just again, simple, uh, bite size, but it's like, it's a win. You know, what a lot of us need in our spiritual journey is some wins. Mm. Like we have plenty of guilt and shame and plenty of reminders that we suck as a Christian or you know, there you go again, you, you just say you do it and you don't do it. It's all a show. We all know. It's like, no, no, no. What you need is like to hear the voice of God saying, I'm proud of you. Uh, just keep seeking me. Um, you know, you don't, you know, you don't change in a day. It's just regular, regular, you know, routines and habits. And then don't do it alone. You know, mm -hmm. like grab a friend, tell them that you want to do this and ask them to do it with you. And then call each other on it, you know? Hey, Trevor, how's it going? You know, I know you want to do this. Like, yeah, how's it going? Oh, man, Nick, you know, I, I wanted to, but, you know, this girl called, you know, or I didn't, I wanted to, but then, like, you know, Netflix, this is just crazy. You know, Outer Banks is so good, you know? And it's like, hey, man, that's cool. I get it. 
but man, let's just keep pressing on together because God's voice is better than anything else, you know? And so uh, that's just a couple of things I'd say. Dude, I love that so much. And with everything that's been going on in your life, you somehow found a way to get a little bit of a break. You took a few weeks off um, over the past month. How did that benefit you, not only as a leader, but I don't know if you were dealing with um, having your brain fogged up a little bit. It's getting harder to see your vision. Um, I know for a fact the stress was on you. How did that benefit your mental health moving forward as a leader in 2020? Yeah, you know, I, I probably used to like think, well, I know I used to think a lot that, you know, you work harder, work harder, work harder, keep doing it, keep doing it. And like taking rest or taking breaks this week, you know, but I don't know, man, I, I think there's a reason that God, you know, told us to work for six days and rest on the seventh and mm you know, and it was like a hardcore rest, right? It's like, when you talk about like what a Jewish person does on Sabbath, it's like, man, they literally do everything and even have things in place. But that Sabbath is a literal Sabbath. Like it is a rest, you know, it's true. It's turning down the noise and it's just realizing that God's in control. And I think a lot of times we tell ourselves that like, I have to do it. And I think sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to stop, you know, and just shut it down just to be reminded that God doesn't need us. You know, the world's still going to spin. Our lungs are still going to work, you know, like somehow people's lives don't fall apart when we stop working, you know? And it's like, yeah. So I just think having that built in and, and I just would say for me, like more and more, the busier it gets, the more I need margin and the more I need time. Um, yeah. For me and for my heart with the Lord and yeah. And just cultivating that relationship. Cause it's, you know, it's just like any other relationship. It's like, man, if you don't have focused time, it's really easy to grow hard and distant and, you know, and I just would say that, that for me and, you know, and, and, and I'm not too proud to say like, it's been an incredibly hard, you know, year and season in my life. And, and so just in that, like, man, I just need more time, like not doing, you know, but more time just being and, and um, yeah. And, and I'm learning, you know, I'm learning to be okay with that and, you know, year by year, season by season. Dude, I love that so much. And I know that God's provided you with an amazing team. Um, David, Jay, Krista, just every single person that is working for you is so phenomenal. I love them so much. And I know that they do their best to keep you um, keep you off your feet. So, man, I'm just super honored that you would come on and talk with us. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Nick Hall. You can pick up his book, Reset, on Audible and Amazon and find him on Instagram at Nick Hall Pulse. Twitter at Nick Hall and be sure to go check out yourthebible.com for more information on how you can get in tune with that. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, 
discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.